You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Put your pencils down, because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Greetings, faithful scholars of Cowboys footballology. You tired, huddled masses of excellence. Welcome to another edition of the Star Seminar, your team taught class in all things Cowboys football. I'm old. I'm tired. He's old. He's tired. I'm Rabble Rouser. He's Danny Phantom. How are you today, Professor Phantom? Well, that's a perfect intro to to express uh, how I'm feeling because I'm I'm feeling under the weather uh, right now. I'm, I have what uh, the start of a cold. Uh, this uh, Oregon weather has been super cold this past week. I think it's. Uh, I think it's uh, deteriorating my immune system because I just I don't know, I just kind of feel achy and just not so not so good. Um, but I will say I got a, some nice medicine last night uh, and uh, and a nice thrilling Cowboys victory. So that certainly uh, helps out a lot. But how how are you doing this morning? I I would say the same. Uh, I'm exhausted. Um, I was up late last night. I was up early today. It's been that kind of a week. Um, but that uh you know it was it was uh anxiety producing for a while I added a couple of years to my life and then um uh or took a couple of years away from my life maybe and but at the end you know the cowboys prevailed and it was actually a pretty pretty great game anxiety um, with, a, with, with a couple of things yeah you were worried I mean, you, know, you were worried perhaps come on yeah i just like don't you believe uh, uh no no i don't believe um i'll tell you what i'll tell you what here's here's why i was uh, anxious and then we can get into we can get into the game more specifically there were things about the game particularly in the, in the way the defense was playing that really f- were redolent of what happened to them against arizona earlier in the year okay. giving up big mm-hmm. plays right. having a trouble getting off off the field on third down um giving up uh big big plays or allowing a mediocre quarterback to make big plays um you know not being able to stop the other team when you really needed to stop to, to, to help out your offense. So, you know, for the, all the way into the th- end of the third quarter, the defense was playing that way. And it just felt like this was one of those games where the, the defense got behind early thanks to a big play and, and just like were out of sorts and couldn't get their rhythm back. And then they did. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm happy, but I'll tell you what, I know that both, even though both of us are old and tired, I don't think either of us are as tired as the Cowboys players who have just completed that annual uh, stretch of three games in 12 days. And Hey dude, they won all three. So that's good news. That's a lot to celebrate. Um, they get a much needed rest. 
we get a much needed rest. Mm -hmm. We actually have another podcast coming before the next game. So that gives you a sense of, of just how much rest the players are going to get, et cetera. So there's a lot to dive into here. I think we'll talk, we'll look, we'll look backwards today and we'll look forwards when we meet next time for our next cast. Um, but before we get into that, I, I want to sort of look backwards and forwards at the same time. You know, C.D. Lamb, after a couple of games where his, his you know, huge, huge numbers uh, were down, uh, had another big game, another three-digit uh, reception game. And he's, you know, clearly emerging as a top five receiver in the league. I think it's an argument can be made he has been one for a while. And it got me thinking, you know, he's now vaulted in clearly into the pantheon of the great 88s in Cowboys history. So I would love to get a sense from you of, you know, where at this moment in time, what are the, what does that pantheon look like? What are you, what are your rankings? So in celebration of CD, I'd like you to rank the following cowboy number 88 from five to one. Ooh, okay. So we got, and I'll just, I'll just lay these out in historical order. We've got Drew Pearson. Mm -hmm. Hall, Hall, Hall of Famer Drew Pearson. And we have Hall of Famer Michael Irvin. We have the great Antonio Bryant. Oh, we have <laughs> uh, we have his his long lost uh, cousin Des Bryant. Uh, the great thing about drafting Des Bryant was that anybody who had an Antonio Bryant jersey could use the same jersey yet again. Yes. And then finally, last but certainly not least, we have the current '88 CD Lamb. How would you rank them? Let's start with number five, and we'll go to number one. Well, first off, I do have an Antonio Bryant jersey hanging up in my closet. So, uh, well, nice. maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, so, well, okay, this is this is really this is a great thing. First off, I, I mean, this is a tough one because there's so many different directions you can go. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've ranked these before on, on Twitter and, and talked about it. I think, you know, like with athleticism, just overall, I don't like ability. There's so many different things you can, directions you can go, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go with what I think when I look at, and of course the CD's career is, is unwritten. So I'm going to pro right. project that. Um, and I'm going to look at this and just think of who is the most talented player of all those groups. And that is why I am going to rank CD number one. And I think when you start to go through the list and like, and start to put all these attributes together, I think that you'll find that he ends up checking off the most. Like if you start to talk about things like you didn't like about the other ones, you know, you'll probably find that's not present with CD Lamb. Like, you know, CD Lamb is, he's a talented player, first off. So it's, I mean, that's, that's one thing. And, but he's a, he's a team player. He's, he's a dynamic player. Like he does different things, um, you know, cause he, he's got a nice little rushing game going that the Cowboys use him regularly. Mm -hmm. So I just think to me, CD is the top guy. So I won't spend too much time talking about that. I know that's probably not what you expected. I'm going with CD first. Um, I'm going. No, this is this is a huge upset. We're going to have so much to talk about, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm going with the playmaker uh, second. And here's the thing: is play. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a lot of different lists that he would be number one on. Um, I mean, he is he is the established receiver that has the championships, and you know he's a Hall of Famer. Um, and he's probably 
you won't find, I mean, Troy Aikman will probably tell you, you won't find a better teammate than, than Michael Irvin and um, the, the, the passion that in, in which he wanted to win with was just um, off the charts. And now there were some off field Michael Irvin things that would push him down a lot of lists or off many lists uh, that's, you know, you, some people may have some thoughts about. I still think I'm, I'm looking at the Michael Irvin, the player, and it's hard to argue what how incredible he was in that regard. Um, I do think athletically he doesn't. He's not first or second on this list, um, so that kind of brings him down a little bit too. When I look at what I think C.D. Lamb will become, um, I, that's why I have him ahead. So that is number. That's the one and two. I feel good about this. This is this is the part where it gets tricky because this is where you just have some bias come coming into play. Uh, I'm giving Drew Pearson the the nod at three. Uh, uh-huh. I think that of course he is also now like Irvin a Hall of Famer. So you know that that means a lot. And I think as you know we're kind of from the same time period, so we kind of know what Drew Pearson meant to the Cowboys and just how incredible he was, and especially at clutch times i mean so clutch so clutch yeah so that's i mean he would be he'd be on the list number one on the list if we were judging by you know clutchness for sure and uh and so i so pearson goes three to me over des and here's the thing too is i would have if you would ask me like in year four of des i probably would have des really high because Mm -hmm. of because of his where he was projected and in his trajectory and and uh i think after after 2014 yeah you could have you could have projected that he would have four or five more years like he had been having and it was when he was on fire and then yeah i I could see him being at at or near the top of this list i think the fact that he fizzled so quickly and and this was Mm -hmm. talked about a lot too is and 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 caught me off guard i was uh, it took me a while to come to terms with it but um just he had a great athleticism and stuff but fundamentally sound and, and kind of his uh, mental ap- aptitude, I think, was not at that high level. And those things started to surface more as his athleticism deteriorated. And, of course, he just suddenly just not wasn't a good receiver anymore. You know, and I mean, if you look at when the Cowboys released him, we all expected him. Well, someone will pick him up and use him properly. And, and of course, there was none of that. So. Uh, and Des too, and we we got some behind the scenes too. I know that Des is a fan favorite, and and I I definitely appreciate what Des gave the Cowboys in, in, throughout his career, Dallas. But we saw a little bit of the headache that he was too. I, I think that I would have liked to seen a, a player that was more team focused and not so um, I don't know. Just sometimes he just didn't have his head right. So that's why he's he's down at at the bottom of the list. Well, minus Antonio Bryant, of course who is number five. Mm-hmm. So what about you, Rabs? Where did I mess up on? Uh, you messed up so many times. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I think, I think your rationale makes sense. I think, you know, you were, you were right in, in, in saying earlier uh, before we started recording that it's, it's, you know, it depends on what criteria you're using, you know, but um, let me ask you this. Who do you think was the most physically gifted of the five? Uh, honestly, it's honestly, I probably would pick Des Bryant if, uh, if, that's in, that's really interesting. As I actually think I would pick Antonio Bryant. I think Antonio oh. Bryant was incredibly gifted. I mean, the things he could do physically, the speed—he's probably the fastest of them. 
I mean, if you look at this group, this is not a group. None of these guys are burners. No. Right. No. These are all like four, six guys who, who played, uh, who were either crafty or played with incredible competitiveness or in Michael Irvin's case, both. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So, so for me, Antonio Bryant is the most gifted physically and obviously the least successful because he was a knucklehead, but he was so talented, incredibly talented. Um, I'm putting CD fourth because his story is not yet written. Right. I think that, you know, the, the, the Des Bryant tale that you, that you outlined is a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. We can't project. I don't think we can project anybody in the NFL, you know? And so I think CD is, CD is incredible. Um, but right now he's still fourth for me because he's a young player. I, I, I could see putting him third and putting Des fourth because I think that they're really neck and neck right now. So I would say that you could even call them three A and three B for me. I think he's a, he, he's accomplished right now about what Des accomplished in his life. So in his I want to ask you a quick question. You said it's kind of a cautionary tale. So are you saying if we were to come back and look at this ten years from now, you think CD would be fourth? Uh, I'm saying you can't you can't say that that's not possible. That's not right. It is, but that's kind of where you think it's going to land. I, I I think I think projecting anybody's career in the NFL is a fool's errand because it's such a violent game. Careers end on uh, on a play, and that's it. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, something happens, and a guy loses his athleticism, and he never is the same guy. Um, and so I think I think you really have to just kind of you, you have to look at bo- at the body of work at the end. Yeah. You really do. So listen, so right now, is he having the kind of seasons that um, Michael and Des had at the heyday of their career? Absolutely. Is he, is he a dominant force that they were? Absolutely. Um, and he also, I think, in terms of just like balance and ability to contort the body and make catches, he's the, he's the best of the group. So I, I'm going to put Des third. Um, I think Michael and Drew have to be one and two. Drew Pearson, as you said, incredibly clutch. Uh, doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves for being even though he's a hall of famer he he's better than people think and i think michael irvin is probably a top five all-time cowboy i don't think he actually because of the off-field stuff i don't think people understand how important he was to those 90s cowboys mm-hmm. like you know uh emmett was hugely important he was the legs of that team but the heart of that team that was i think the most competitive and uh, most talented team the nfl has ever seen was Michael Irvin. And when, they, when Michael Irvin went down against Philadelphia, that dynasty officially ended, even though so even though other guys continued to play. It was over because he was the guy that got everyone fired up and made everybody better yeah. through his competitiveness, his competitiveness in practice, his refusal to take a playoff, et cetera. It infected that whole team. And that team was great because <coughs> of Michael Irvin. And he was also an incredible receiver, um, great, great physical gifts that I think – in some ways got overlooked because what we saw was the competitive fire because it was, it burned white hot. So there's, there's my list. And you know, I, listen, I, I look forward to coming back in, in five years and re-ranking them because I do, I do think that if CD continues on his trajectory, he'll absolutely be higher, but he's got a long way to go to get to, to be where Drew and Michael were that we, we need to not um, let recentism infect our thinking those guys were incredible for a long long time yeah that's true i, I want to say this though if, if you were to take the first four year sampling of all these guys i mean this wouldn't even be a close contest at all um so no it wouldn't be i, I think in, in that case michael and drew might be at the bottom and antonio bryant would probably be ahead of both of them you know 
because I think both of them had careers that were a little slow to start. Yeah, you know, they was like year three or four. They where they really did did much of anything, but then when they started, boy, did they start. Um, so listen, let, let's let's talk about something that uh, was similar in terms of its trajectory, which is yesterday's game. Uh, didn't start great, ended ended beautifully. Um, what are your you know what are your overall takeaways of of the Cowboys' third victory in twelve days, my good man? Well, it feels good. I mean, obviously, when you win, it feels good. The Cowboys have what reeled off uh, four in a row since the Philly game, is it now? So, and then they've done not just one games; they've won them by scoring a lot of points. And mm-hmm. of course, I feel really good because the 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 things that we saw earlier on offense are long gone and you know we saw at first when they started doing well we were like is this sustainable sort of thing and now we see that they have turned a corner in that regard and i mean i'm I'm super excited about what we see what we're seeing um on offense and i think that you know obviously beating seattle uh a, a team with a winning record finally the cowboys did that uh and the seattle's a good football team i don't know that anybody would dispute that uh, they got a lot of good players and boy were they hitting hard too i mean those carol coaches he they, he has a lot of fight and uh, you could tell a good football team by just how they hit you, how they hit you and uh mm-hmm. you know seattle has that too so it was good it was good to come away with the win um and i do think it's this is a one of those stretches where you kind of you know you kind of see who you really are so i have to say uh from from that standpoint I got to be happy with with the way this football team is playing. Yeah, I I think I think the takeaway has to be that. And so let's let's a uh, couple couple pieces of context for Seattle. Um, you and I talked about this before we started recording that, uh, and I, and we, we're certainly not the only people to say that that um, Seattle played their best game of the year and absolutely gave it everything they had. They emptied the clip, they emptied the bag, whatever whatever you know metaphor you want to use. I think they saw that they, they, their backs were against the wall. This is a game they absolutely had to win, especially after getting embarrassed nationally on Thanksgiving against the 49ers. And so, you know, you're talking about the team that's hitting hard. They hit really hard. I think also, um, and I think you actually tweeted about this during the game, that this is probably the, if not certainly, the best group of wide receivers the Cowboys have seen all, all year. And it might be the best group of defensive backs they've seen all year. Right. And so I think that um, that, that, you know, the Cowboys defensive backs and wide receiver core are strengths. And I think both of them struggled uncharacteristically because they were going up against arguably the best unit they've seen all year. One other piece of context I think is really important. You know, we talked about it a couple times now. It was a tw- uh, 12 days, three games, third game in 12 days. They won all three. Last couple times they won all three. We're 2016 and 2018, both both uh, great seasons. Um, obviously, 2018, if you remember, they they started a little slower, but then they really caught fire in like November or in early December and sort of forged ahead in, in, to a division championship. They won the division both both of those years. In both of those years, they won all three during that 12 game stretch. So let's just go back and look at at, at the, those third games. So in 2016, if you remember, they were on fire. They were beating everybody by double digits. Um, that that game in, in question was a really ugly game that they were frankly fortunate to win. They got they got a, a fumble recovery deep in Minnesota territory and it ended up winning um, an ugly game, 17 to 15 over Minnesota. And then in 2018, they had a very close defense. It was a defensive jam against a, a very potent New Orleans offense, but they, they it was a, a game where they beat New Orleans 13-10. Didn't look good on offense. 
you know, it was a really, really a struggle. And I think the takeaway is that, listen, the third game in 12 days is going to be an ugly game. There were lots of penalties. It's going to be a game with lots of mistakes. It's going to be a game where there's their, their teams are exhausted mentally. There were mental errors. And um, it's very unusual that that game is going to be a blowout. Like you're going to sustain blowouts. In those two years when those, those teams were incredible teams who were playing at their peak and they barely escaped in both of those. And I think we should start to expect that, that even if the Cowboys can pull out a victory, even if they're winning the first two of the, of that, of those three games by substantial margins, that that third game is going to be a close one because honestly, both teams just want to get it over with because they're beat up, they're exhausted, they're tired, etc. Yeah. And so I think those, I think those are important pieces of context when people are like, Oh, the Cowboys, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, they didn't, did they play great? No. Um, but there's reason for that. Like, why should we expect them to, I guess is my question. Right. I mean, I know that we all know by now that everyone plays 12, you know, three games in 12 days. If you're playing on Thursday night, you, you get that. But the thing that's unique to the Cowboys and, and in Seattle also in this case too, because they're on the same path is the, the orientation of them. So, you know, you don't, you know, you're playing the short, their second games on sh- on sh- a short week, and then you have to, you don't have that long rest to recuperate from that. It's so you're that by the time that third game comes around, you know, it's it's just a, it's a little bit different um, for the Cowboys. And you're right. To me, I always look at the stretch and like which ones shouldn't the second middle game be the hardest because it's the the least amount of rest. But I mean, you you don't have that time to recuperate, and so by the time this third game comes around, you know, you you are worn down. But I tell you what, I mean. The offense didn't look worn down, Rams, and I wanted to, to shift gears and just ask you about mm-hmm. this. Um, yes. I, I mean, we can talk for days about Dak Prescott, and I think that there's no question about it that he is playing probably his best football. Um, I, you know, we talked a little bit about earlier, like this is kind of reminds me of the 2021 Dak pre-calf injury type thing where they were just lighting teams up. You know, good defenses too, and um, but I, I I really think that this is just as good, if not better. I think all the decisions that he is making, um, you know, he, when he's choosing to to try to escape, you know, he had that one escape play that was just, I mean, that was fantastic. You know, as Romo asked, and but I think Duck is just, he's just got it. You know, he's just. He's seeing things well. He's putting the ball in good spots. I mean, you, there's always going to be uh, a play here and there where you're like, oh, that wasn't a very good decision or a ball that was well thrown. Something. That happens every game for every quarterback. But if you just look at it, his body of work uh, since the bye, I mean, no quarterback is playing better. He's he's just um, – It's not even close. It's not even close. And I, and I know I've said this many times on the pod and on, on Twitter and stuff, and the – the Cowboys are going to go as far as Dak Prescott can take them. I mean, there's a lot of other things that, that come into play, but he is the straw that stirs this drink. And the fact that he is playing so well makes me feel very good. I feel like if Dak's playing like this, we have a chance. We have a chance to beat the great teams in the league. You know, you want to put the Cowboys as one of them. But, I mean, I'm less fearful of that because of the way Dak Prescott is. So, I mean, well, I don't know. I wanted to ask you what you just think. I mean, Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, you know, we talked about, you know, where he is on my list. That guy, 
I mean, he was trying to, he wants to score so bad, he was trying to jump over people. He's just got this fire in him. Jake Ferguson, too, they got this fire in him. I think the way the weapons are just being used, everybody is just um, contributing. Brandon Cooks again. I mean, so all of it just, I mean, I, you got to really feel good about the offense. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, a couple pods ago, we sat there with a checklist and said, these are the things that we've been talking about in the early season when the offense is struggling that we want to see. And we went down that list and we were like, check, 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 check. And just about everything got checked off. Right. So, that, I mean, and, and that has continued, as you said, you know, to sustain. Um, Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I think in particular like having having this sort of core group of weapons so cd's playing really really well but as you were mentioned jake ferguson and brandon cooks i think are are lending themselves to that as well and so there there are they have the opportunity now to put teams in a bind right and and i because you can't you know you can't like double all three of those guys and then if you leave one of them single uh and he gets free it's going to be it's going to be dangerous so I, i here's the thing i think i think that dak is playing about how he's always played. I think Dak has always been this guy. I think the difference is, and this is one of the things that we talked about that we wanted to see, that we needed to see, especially in the transition from Kellen Moore to Mike McCarthy. I think he's got he, he's got plays where he can push the easy button significantly more often. He's throwing to guys who are wide open. He, he's 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 got reads that are simple. Um, uh, not all the time. Lots of times he's forcing things, you know, in, into tight windows. Or not even forcing, but like throwing into tight windows, throwing with great accuracy, throwing with great anticipation. You're absolutely right. His pocket awareness is incredible. But I think that part part of that is he's not being asked to do that kind of stuff every play, right? There's lots of plays where he just hits the guy who's, who's, who's wide open, and, and or you know, uh, and and I think that 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 as the sort of baseline allows him to then sort of make those plays occasionally. And I think that that. We, for for that we have to give credit to Mike McCarthy, and so we have a Dak and Mac show now, where I think Mike McCarthy has is providing Dak with an offense that allows Dak to be his best self, and by his best self, I think it just means they're yes, they're going to go as far as he can go, but um, he doesn't have to be a hero every snap, right? There's been a, too many years recently where he's had to be a hero almost every snap, and that's not the case now. Like there's there's a, a certain number of plays where you can just boop fade back make the play boom and 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 that um, I think is a, is a great help to him. You know we we we've been bagging on Mike McCarthy. A lot of people have been bagging on Mike McCarthy. He seems like a doofus, but you know he 
he's got a long history of, of doing great work with quarterbacks, mm-hmm. even great quarterbacks, but maximizing their greatness. And I think that's what he's doing now. And it took a while. It took a while for everybody to get into rhythm. But boy, are they all in their collective bag. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think to me there's there's two things. There's play caller Mike McCarthy and there's head coach Mike McCarthy. And I would okay. I would have been I would have told you that uh both of them are not good things at the you know <laughs> right. at, okay. at, at the be- before the bye. Uh clearly Mike McCarthy as you said has uh made a lot of adjustments and he looks he looks really good. I, I honestly, you know, even though the Cowboys had some things they stalled out with and some missed opportunities with the failed fourth down conversion stuff, overall, I think the play calling, I mean, there's very little that you could complain about. I think he did a great job with the play calling. I loved some of the things that he did. I The only thing that I didn't care for as far as play calling wise was his decision to throw the fade route to CeeDee Lamb under two minutes to go. I thought they, I don't mind go, trying to go for that. Um, you know, never give Seattle the ball back or, or, or put the game away. But I think you need to choose a, a more high percentage play, at least one that's going to um, use use 40 seconds, you know, because Seattle didn't have any timeouts. So they could have tried to just small, a shorter pass or do you Dak could roll out and maybe just uh, slide to the ground to, you know, if they weren't going to get it rather than end up being an incompletion. So I didn't care for that uh, play calling, but outside of that, the play calling I thought was, was great. I did have some questions with the Mike McCarthy head coach thing. Um, I thought, yeah, play, let, let, let's go into that. So you, you've divided him into play caller and head coach. So let's, uh, I think that's probably a, a really useful um, distinction. So let's talk about him as the head coach. What were your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think, you know, and I, and I, I touched on this pre by, I really like when he, the, when that, the, the, the time that he chose to settle for a field goal when they had a free shot at the end zone, and this, I think it was the was the Chargers game or something, or I can't remember. Huh? I thought, to me, it was just really sour. It was one of the lower points for me with Mike McCarthy, the head coach. I just absolutely hated that moment. And, uh, you know, I have a, I've collected quite a good list of just really terrible things that Mike McCarthy is, decisions that he's made, in my opinion. I think he had a few of those in this game, of course, Nobody will be talking about it because the Cowboys came away with a win. I don't understand why he didn't take that uh, penalty that would have put them at second and nineteen, and then and instead they gave him a third and seven. That to me, mm-hmm. to me, didn't make any sense at all. Um, analytics would tell you not to do that, and and of course, not everything is analytics. You got to go by based on your your team strengths and stuff. And I still didn't see that. I think you need to make them go nineteen yards. So that part made no sense to me. You know him. I think he passed up on a two-point conversion that I think analytics would have said going for. Uh, he should have done, but I'm not too mad about that because it's it's still out a quarter to go, so I, that's not a big one. Uh, I think it was too early to chase points at that. Yeah, point. you could say yeah. So so those things uh, those things mm-hmm. were bothering me, and of course the 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 fade route I already mentioned to see Lamb I thought was very uh, a really bad one that could have actually been costly. So that one I I, I didn't like at all, and. Another one, and this doesn't fall just on McCarthy because a lot of this came on the defensive side of the ball, but the fact that this team is jumping off sides so much and it's so and there's so many penalties and the Cowboys are at the top at this. This is and we talked about this earlier in the year. These are things that losing teams does do, and th- I feel like this is this falls in the coaching and and something's not happening within the organization within that they're not getting the point across. And we've kind of seen this happen before. And 
you know, McCarthy's like point at the refs and stuff, and they just there's they don't have that accountability. So I'm still angry about that because this ter- it was terrible. I mean, you're looking about the Cowboys 10, 10 times for 130 yards. It was just bad. So I'd still have some McCarthy problems, but it's certainly not in the offensive play calling department. I, I got you. I, I think that as fans, I think one of the things we forget is that, you know, there's always a trade-off. Okay. So, so let's, and I think what you've done is actually you've provided us a, a nice opportunity to also transition into another discussion, which is the Cowboys continued yes. struggles in the, in the, in the red zone as they get closer to the goal line. And I think that the, the fade play that you've just talked about is a great example. So I think to, to, what I'd like to do is just start by talking about Terrence Steele. Mm-hmm. All right. So we saw that I think you can actually say they lost the game against the Eagles in large part. I mean, every, every, obviously every, every loss is a team loss, but if Terrence Steele had played his best game of the year, they'd probably win that game. Yeah. Even just right. not so bad. I mean, just even that one play, if he just doesn't miss that one play that, I mean, he got beat, he got beat a bunch of times. I mean, so many times and so badly that it just, you know, he basically single-handedly ended drives. And so, um, then when, then we, we haven't seen, we've seen, you know, we've seen good Terrence Steele the last couple of weeks, or we, we've seen a Terrence Steele that hasn't hurt them in quite the same way. And I think that the Terrence Steele that we saw against Philadelphia, we saw again last night, uh, you know the the Seahawks aren't as good uh, at that at that particular defensive end position. They can't throw two different guys who have two such contrasting styles at him. So that they, they didn't. It wasn't as bad, you know, visually. But I still think that there were some there were some real problems there. And Dak did have to play hero ball a couple times because Terrence Steele is really really struggling. Okay, so that's point one. Um, the other is that the running game is really uh, challenged. Right, so to, I think Pollard ended up with something like 20 carries for 68 yards, but like 3.2 or something like that. I mean, it's, but not a, not a great not a great average, all maybe 3.3 something. Um, he had he had, and one of those was a, was a long run. A lot of times he was he was met at the line. He got one or two yards. It feels to me like the Cowboys' running game works only because of the threat of the deep pass. Mm-hmm. Right, so that because the Cowboys have been doing so, and we certainly saw that. A lot, uh, on Thanksgiving, right? I mean, just deep pass after deep pass after deep pass. They're really finding that. And obviously, if that happens, your back seven are going to have to play back because you're, you'd rather give a 14-yard run than a 50-yard pass. But the thing is, the Cowboys can't run unless everybody's back, right? Or unless it's some sort of surprise. Every once in a while, they can get to the perimeter when, when teams are loading inside. But they can't – the Cowboys still are not capable of running consistently where they just match up against you. You line up, they line up, and, and they just – and you just go. Every once in a while, they'll, they'll get you know four or five yards. But for the most part, they can't. So what that means then is that the running game has no success once you get into deep the deep red zone because the back seven is up close. Right. Right? There are, there are loaded boxes by definition because you're inside the five or you're inside the ten. So I think one of the things about that – that uh, fade is that Mike McCarthy's smart enough to know that he realizes this. The running game isn't going to do anything. So everyone's like, "Why didn't they run? You could have run twice." Yeah, but they, but I don't think he tr- honestly he didn't trust his offensive line to get three yards in two carries, and so he, he thought to himself, "I can I can take forty seconds off 
and maybe gain a yard, lose a yard, whatever, and then kick a field goal. Or I can win the, the goddamn game. And he decided to go win and put the hands, put the ball in the hands of his best player. I think you're absolutely right. They they don't have enough. They're, they're, the offensive line is just not powerful enough in the trenches. And McCarthy recognizes it. That's why we have, we we're seeing passing plays. Of course, those are lower percentage plays, and and they're, you're throwing in, in the tighter coverages. I don't think McCarthy has enough tricks up his sleeve in these deep red zone situations. And I think if you do acknowledge that you don't have the ability to to just Run the ball down, you know, down their throat. Then you got it. You got to have something, an alternative. You have to have a contingency plan. I don't think he's found that yet. I would love to see Rico used a little more. I mean, it's. I know that that's. You still need line help, but I do think that he has a more head down power type of running style, and I think he should be used in that manner. I think the Cowboys don't have the tight end depth that they had last year, where they are able to pull off some of these more well executed 13, 14 personnel packages that. We're not seeing um, right now, but so I, I do think that McCarthy needs to just expand his repertoire of these type of plays. And, and, and if they're, if they're little short pass designs, fine, that that's fine. But he's got to get there because we they got to punch it in in these situations. You know, it's funny because I, I've I've increasingly, as I became a, I've been an NFL fan for years and years, I'm increasingly of the mindset that. At, a play caller is only as good as his offensive line that you can call it when your offensive line is dominant, you can call anything. It's going to work, you know, slow developing plays guys going to get open, you know I mean? Uh, running game. They're going to, they're going to create space in the running game. You don't have to have great running backs, uh, et cetera. And I think we've seen, you know, we've seen that uh, in recent years, you know, McVeigh now with a bad offensive line last couple of years looks very pedestrian as a play caller. You know, every once in a while something cool happens, but for the most part, you know, all the things that, that had at the NFL, like, you know, all this like foaming at the mouth with uh, with glee at how great he was, we're not seeing any of that because his offensive line isn't as good as it was earlier in, in L.A. or even when he, when he was uh, in Washington. So I, I just sort of feel like what what are your options for play calls when your offensive line uh, is struggling? And I'm, and I'm not sure. I, you know, you talk about tricks, but like – you know, you can't rely on tricks. At some point, you have to just go with your bread and butter, and you have to execute it. And if your offensive line can't execute, what do you do? Yeah. And I think that I think that that's that's what we're seeing, and we're going to see that against good defensive lines. So, you know, against San Francisco and against Philadelphia, the Cowboys' success is going to be how well can their offensive line handle those elite defensive lines? And um that's the thing about Seattle that has me a little bit nervous because the Seattle's defensive line is solid. It's, it's good. It's a good group. You know, they got Leonard Williams. They got some guys who can play, but it was, you know, the, they, they got theirs. They got theirs certainly. Um, at any rate, I think this is something we're going to see. And for me, I've said it before. You know, you said that they'll go as far as Dak can take them. I think they're going to go as far as their offensive line can take them. And I think their offensive line, even though Tyron Smith has been, incredible this year has a lot of work to do if they're going to go deep into the playoffs they're just not their offensive line is not right now playing at a level that's going to take them deep into the playoffs i don't believe they can they might get a first round win against a you know terrible team from the nfc south but beyond that they they need their offensive line to improve significantly between now and the end of december yeah. into january uh, but let's 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 uh, switch uh, sides if we can, because I know I, I do want to ask you about, uh, you know, talk a little bit about the defense. 
Um, funny, funnily enough, we we're complaining about the offensive line when the, when the Cowboys scored 41 and probably could have <laughs> easily scored 50. Um, so, you know, Dak's, Dak was the offensive player of the month in November and Deron Bland was the defensive player of the month in November. We talked about this last week in which, you know, you said, yeah, but look how often he's getting, he's getting beat. And this was the second week in a row in which, um, you know, in which that was the case last week we, I, I think I and everybody else kind of poo-pooed it. And now I am very, very sorry to, to say and to have to admit that I think you might have been right, my friend. Well, Deron Bland might be having a 2021 um, Trevon Diggs kind of season. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm not going to use this opportunity to, to, to flex here because I <laughs> I, I, I love Deron Bland. And I think um, I, I still think that what he brings to this Cowboy team is, is, is fantastic. And you know, second year player still, still learning. Um, and so there's, there's so much I like about him, but, but I, at the same time, and this is the part that's important is I think, you know, we need to realize what kind of skill set that he brings and, and some of his limitations. And, and I think, I thought that he just got caught sometimes, you know, yes, last night, just bad and bad spots. And I, I think he did, I mean, he did have a bad game. He gave up uh, six catches for 137 yards in the first half alone. It's the most yards a corner has given up in the half this season. That's, you know, that's that's not good. Um, you know, he did he mentioned earlier that this is a Seattle has a great trio of receivers, and it wasn't just Bland too. I mean, uh, Gilmore's having trouble. Um, basically, the sa- the safeties all the looked overmatched. The only player that really showed up, which is what is what surprised me was actually Jordan Lewis. I mean, I think he mm-hmm. he made some big plays, and and Bland did too. I mean, and I actually, you know, in my five thought five things to watch article, uh, yes, uh, Thursday before the game, I mentioned that Bland's going to get a pick because I thought Gino has mm-hmm. kind of a slow mm-hmm. wind up and stuff, so, and he did. Uh, but overall, the defense, the, the pass defense, really, it really surprised me. It's just, I mean, if you look at this. This team, I mean, you know, they gave up 334 yards of passing. You know, that's very uncharacteristic of it. It's the most they've given up all year. And remember, we're just a couple games removed from them giving up 61 and 77 against the Giants and Panthers, respectively. So, yeah, it, I mean, it wasn't good for the whole unit at all. So I wanted to try to understand is, it, I mean, you know, I do feel like it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Philly in the sense of, there was a lot. Philly scored a lot of points. They got twenty-eight points, four touchdowns. Um, however, the defense did show up in crunch time. They had two big stops. Mentioned Jordan Lewis on third down, and then the defensive line uh, came along and made plays too. And so another thing, I mean, I, where is your mind at with this defense as a whole? And then this Cowboys pass rush that did not seem to be there uh, last night. Now that for that for me is the is the interesting question and, and the key to so much because the, the the Cowboys pass rush is the best unit on the team even even as well as Dak and and CD are playing the, the the pass rush is a more dominant unit or has been than the passing game and you know quarterback and wide receivers and um and it's the unit that sort of the team is built around both both literally in terms of players, but also I think psycho- psychologically and philosophically. And so when they don't when they don't perform well, um, you know the whole operation kind of breaks down a little bit. That whole complementary football operation uh, it sags a little bit under under its weight. And I, I I can't tell you exactly what happened, but I do think that 
the other thing that's similar to what we saw in Arizona was that Seattle had a big, and we saw this against the Jets too. Remember, remember there, was a, there was a moment there where they, against the Jets where the Jets got a really, really long pass to Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Bad safety play where he jumped the route. Right. Cornerback got beat, and it was a long, very similar kind of play. And um, against the Jets, they settled down a little bit. But against Arizona, Arizona made a couple of big plays early, and I felt like they just – they, they're not used to it, and they start to press and get desperate. I thought a lot of those offensive, those off, offsides calls and things like that were them trying to change the, the script of the game um, and, and being a little desperate because they were in such unfamiliar territory. Uh, and I can't tell you entirely what, why they weren't playing well other than to say they were exhausted because they really, especially at the middle, like they like we've seen the Cowboys do such a great job with, generating interior pressure and they really couldn't uh against the seahawks they really struggled um so my hope my fervent hope is that this is just a matter of it was a a one-time thing they were a little bit they were they were exhausted and tired and and weren't weren't you know at the top of their game um but as you said i think the important thing is they kind of settled down i think that they start they they started playing within themselves a little bit more uh, as a defense, but also really as a pass rush, and and those stops at the end of the, at the end, which I think are, are worth detailing. So the Seahawks went up 35-27 right at the end of uh, of the third quarter, right beginning of the fourth. I guess it was the, probably the very very beginning of the fourth quarter when they actually scored. And then their next um, um, their next possessions were uh, turnover on downs, ten play drive, twenty nine yards. Turnover on downs, five play drive, twenty four yards. Turnover on downs. Uh, five plays, twenty-five yards. So the, the Cowboys, you know, um, and then before, and then of course the the, the, the an interception uh, by Deron Bland earlier. So they were like four out of five possessions where they kind of settled down and played played much better and won the game and won the game because of it. Yeah, I, so part of me wonders if if this isn't just a high risk reward type of defense to where they're going to come at you and if it's working, they're you're, you, the other team's done. If it's not. They're in trouble, and I, I would have wanted to see them after they realize that Seattle's, you know, kind of killing them on some plays. Maybe try to settle into more of a, you know, what bend but don't break type defense, and like kind of have faith that the offense is. It's not going to be as impressive, and they're not going to be like, you know, getting off the field as quickly and, and making all these big splash plays. But the the the, the limit points a little bit, and just kind of let the offense do their thing. Um, no, of course, nobody wants to see that. We want to see this great pass rush and this great defense dominate. Uh, but it just makes me a little worried, too, because if you look at teams like Philadelphia and San Francisco, I mean, there's some really good offenses with a, a lot of different weapons. And if the Cowboys show up with anything like they did last night, then they're just that's going to be, you know, we'll see one of those San Francisco repeat type of games in the, as far as at least defensively. It just... They won't be able. To, they can't play. They can't hang with those teams with the, with what they um, gave us last night. So I don't know. I don't want to be too critical on it because they've been so great. But certainly at the same time, um, you know, it's 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 a little concerning. And you know what? I guess they're going to need to show up against big teams. And one of those big teams is the is the Eagles next Sunday. And I get you know we will. Um, I'd be curious to see how that plays out. Uh, but that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. 
And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, plays in the game that, you know, caught your attention, um, let us know. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver blue. And we will catch you later. Last is missed. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.